Thank you for listening to BLC's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. Brought you by Daryl Reed. For more podcasts, news, and other events, please visit blacktolife.co.za. So I get to share with us again uh, this morning. And uh, I'm going to carry on from where we were about three weeks ago. How many of you guys were here three weeks ago when we talked about uh, peace, the being a warrior to being a warrior, uh, and the journey of the road called peace? So I'm going to do a quick recap of that, and then we're going to uh, carry on from there and go a little bit deeper into uh, what does it mean to be rooted and living a life filled with peace. Uh, so just to do a quick recap, so we, we learned there were seven stops on this journey of the road called peace. And the first stop was that the kingdom of God is a kingdom of peace. So in his kingdom, there's peace. It's what his kingdom is about. Um, it's not just an attribute. It is what the kingdom is. Uh, the second stop was that peace is not just something that God can do, but peace is who he is. His very nature, his name is God of peace. The third stop was that peace is a gift for us. Jesus says, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give, but my peace I give to you. And so his peace is a gift that he gives to each one of us if we're just willing to, to receive it. The fourth stop on our journey on the road called peace was that we learned that peace is a foundation for faith. You see, peace is a launching pad for the supernatural to flow. Without peace, it's really difficult for the supernatural and for the presence of God to flow through you for faith to operate. And so we've got to have peace, and we've got to be rooted in a place of peace if we want to see God moving in and through us. And then we learned that the opposite is also true. So peace is a foundation for faith, but faith is a foundation for peace. So these two are interchangeable, and they kind of hold hands together. And, uh, and, and neither one, peace nor faith, can function optimally when they're not functioning together. And so to be strong in our faith, we need to be strong in our peace. Does that make sense? Then we learned about peace, the soldier. I'm going to dig into this one a little bit more because this is just so important. Did you guys know that peace is a soldier? You have a weapon. Well, not a weapon. You have a soldier that is fighting for you, and his name is called peace. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. It says, do not be anxious about anything. You guys can turn there. I'm going to read it now. We're going to go back to this verse. We're going to read a whole chunk in the chapter in a little bit. But let me just give you this verse for now. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So as we take our anxiety, our stress, we present it to him with thanksgiving and prayer it says that the peace of God, the peace of the Father, will guard, G-U-A-R-D, like a military guard, your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, how much sickness in the world is related to the heart and the mind? A huge amount. And so the Scripture is saying that the peace of God is there to guard, G-U-A-R-D, protect your heart and your mind. And that word, the, the Greek word there, is a word called phruros. The word fruros means to protect by military guard, to prevent hostile invasion. 
The peace of God is there to protect and guard your heart and your mind against the devil who wants to come in with hostile invasion, take over and to steal, kill and destroy. And when we're not walking out our lives rooted and based in a place of peace, we're giving the, the, the devil easy access because the military force is not there. The peace of God is like the, the military force that's protecting you from the devil. It protects your heart and your mind. That's what the scripture says. The peace of God will guard your heart and your mind. Isn't that just crazy? Peace is a soldier protecting you. And so it's not just a nice to have, it's essential that we are rooted in a place of peace in Jesus. The sixth stop on our journey on the road called peace was the prayer exchange. And so I quoted Bill Johnson. Let me quote it again. If we come out of a time of prayer in the same state we went into prayer, we weren't praying, we were complaining. <laughs> if we come out of a place of prayer in the same state we went into that place of prayer, we weren't praying, we were complaining. You see, when we genuinely pray, we bring something before the Lord, and He takes, just as Dan was saying uh, from, from Job, He gives and He takes away. And so He takes away the burden, and He gives us His peace. He gives and He takes away. And so when we come to the Lord with prayer, there's a divine exchange that takes place. We give Him the worry, the anxiety, the stress, whatever it is that, that we're bringing before Him. He takes that from us in terms of the stress, the anxiety, and He gives us His peace. And so there's a divine exchange that takes place when we come before Him in prayer. And so I want to encourage you guys that when you come out of a place of prayer and you're still feeling the same way, then stop complaining and go back and pray some more. <laughs> and pray until you find that place of peace in Him where you feel that there's been an exchange that's taken place. He's taken that burden and He's given you His peace. And uh, just, just keep working at it. Just keep, keep, keep being with Him, keep being in His presence until you can find that place of peace. The seventh and last stop on our journey on the, the road called peace was where we stopped and had a look at peace, the umpire. Yes, peace is not only a military guard in your life, but peace is also an umpire in your life. And so Colossians chapter 3, verse 15, it says, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. And let the peace of Christ rule. Stay in Philippians 4, because we're going to be, be camping there now. But let the peace of Christ rule. That word rule, you know what that word means? The, the, the Greek word is brebuo. It means to be an umpire or to be a judge. And so what the scripture is saying, is, says, let the peace of Christ be the umpire, be the referee, be the judge in your life. So you're trying to make a good decision in your life. And so I don't know which way must I go. Is it this way? Is it that way? And it says, let the peace of Christ be the referee, be the umpire. May the peace of God guide you in making the decision whether this is good or whether this is bad. And so we use the analogy of the, the Springboks and the World Cup. Come on, we're the champions, stronger together. Whoop, whoop. Come on, are we not excited anymore about being world champions? <laughs> Come on. Go, Borka. Imagine, though, if the Rugby World Cup final had no referee. I, I give it three minutes, and it's a, it's a full-on fist fight. It turns from rugby to boxing, just like that, without a referee. I mean, imagine the chaos that would have happened in that game with no referee. 
And I think that's what starts to happen in our lives when we don't let the peace of God be the umpire, guiding us and leading us to make good and godly decisions. And so the peace of God is there to be an umpire in your life. And so peace is just so essential and so powerful, and it's critical in our journey and our walk with Jesus. And so we're going to keep camping here um, because this is the perfect season for us to, if we're not in a place of peace, to find that peace and to go into 2020 rooted and based in a place of peace in the Lord. And so there's two things that we're going to be covering this morning. Um, so I've just recapped some of the powerful things that, and the at, powerful attributes of peace. But now how do we remain in a place of peace? How do we avoid being pulled this way or that way and let anxiety and stress come into our lives? And so obviously we already covered uh, in Philippians chapter 4 that prayer is an absolute essential to remain rooted in a place of peace because of that divine exchange that takes place. You give him your worry, your stress, and he gives you his peace. And so I'm taking it for granted that we all know that and that that's an obvious way to stay rooted in peace. And so I'm not going to dig into that in too much detail this morning. Uh, there's two other areas that we're going to be covering. And so the, the first area is uh, something that we need to be intentional about and we need to do. And the second area is something that we need to avoid. Um, and so the first thing that we need to do to remain in a place of peace is to have a heart of thanksgiving and gratitude. It's an absolute key to remain centered in peace. So if you're in Philippians chapter 4, we're going to read from verse 4 to verse 13. So um, I've given you enough time. Hopefully you're there by now. Otherwise, I'll give you another second to find Philippians chapter 4. All righty, let's read together. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be made known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Verse 10. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you have no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And so he starts out this passage with thanksgiving. And I think that this is a key for us. Oftentimes, I think we come to the Lord in prayer 
And we wait for the answer to come. And when the Lord answers our prayers, well, then we thank Him and we celebrate and thanksgiving comes. Whereas actually what the Scripture is saying is come to Him rejoicing. Come to Him with thanksgiving. And from a, a posture of thanksgiving and rejoicing, present your requests to Him. You see, thanksgiving is not the end point in prayer. Thanksgiving is the start point. It's the middle point, And it's the end point. It's the posture that we come before Him in everything that we do a posture of gratitude, and a posture of thanksgiving. Uh, that's how Paul instructs us. He then carries on to say, fill your minds with positive thought. I mean, the, the whole New Age movement, which is getting a bit old now. It's not as new as it was a couple of years ago. But the whole thing about meditation to empty your mind. What a load of nonsense, man. Meditation is to fill your mind with good and godly things. And so Paul's instructing us to meditate. He says, meditate on these good things. And so, let me read it again in verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Come on, is there any of, anyone who can think of something that is commendable, that is excellent, that is worthy of praise, that is just good? If you can think about that, what he's saying is, Stop thinking about all the other negative stuff and just take that out of your mind and fill your mind with positive, good, godly thoughts. Think about these things. And so he's encouraging us to think good and godly positive thoughts because it's good for your body, it's good for your soul, it's good for your relationship with him. I think as South Africans, this is difficult for us. I think we're a nation that, that tends easily to complain about stuff. Okay, we've got reason to complain, but we tend to, you know, complain a lot more than other nations. I've had the privilege of traveling to uh, quite a few different countries, and, and I just find that they don't complain nearly as much as we do. If we get the smallest thing, you know, go wrong, or big thing, we, we complain. I mean, you look at some of the other, other nations in, in Africa, and there's, they've got reason to complain. But yet they are so grateful, they are so kind, they're so gentle, they're so happy and content with what they have. You see, I think we, we, we've, we've lost this fight in some senses when it comes to being content with what we have. And so we tend to complain because we're not happy. It's not good enough. It's not right. Now, am I excusing some of the stuff that happens in our nation? No, I'm not, not excusing it at all. And we pray and we trust that, that, that the Lord does a mighty work in our nation and things get resolved. But, but let's not let the, the state of things in our, in our current circumstance determine our outlook and our posture in life unto the Lord. And so let's stop complaining so much and let's be thankful. Let's be content. You see, I think it's, it's really difficult, if not impossible, to be thankful when you're not content. I mean, just think about that for a second. If you're not content in a situation, how is it that you can be thankful to the Lord? Because a lack of contentment is really uh, a, a, it's a heart of complaining. It's a heart of, I'm not happy with the circumstance. I need, I need stuff to change. And so when we can find that place of contentment, that's a key for us to then continue walking out a life that is filled with thanksgiving and positive, godly thoughts. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 and 18, a very well-known passage of Scripture. It says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God 
in Christ Jesus for you. Man, that's powerful. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. So the title of the sermon when I preached three weeks ago was Transitioning from a Warrior to a Warrior. This is a good way of testing where are you on that journey of being a warrior for God or a warrior that you keep thinking what's going to go wrong in my life, all the stress and anxiety, is to look at your life and any area where you're unable to give thanks, it's probably a good indication that you're losing the battle on your thoughts. Worries winning over worship. We've lost our peace. And so look at a situation and say, can I give thanks in this situation? Can I give thanks in this current circumstance? If I can't, something's going on in my mind and I'm losing that battle. I've let the soldier called peace go off duty and hostile invasion starting to come in. And so I need to find that peace again and I need to give thanks in that situation so I can win that war in my mind that I'll be a warrior for Jesus, not a warrior. So give thanks in all circumstances. I mean, Paul, he's been shipwrecked. He's, I mean, how much stuff happened to Paul? Flogged, beaten, imprisoned. And yet he's saying, give thanks in all circumstance. If, if he could do it, we can all do it. We can all find that place of thanksgiving. And so some of us might ask, what is the will of God for my life? Well, a good starting point, uh, place is the will of God in your life is to be thankful, to rejoice. That's what it says. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. So if you're unsure what your calling is, there it is right there. Just start there. The rest will work itself out. But just start by being thankful. Start by rejoicing and just praying without ceasing. Just continue to... So it's speaking about a posture of just being with Him, being present with Him. We're going to talk about being present in a little bit because I think it's one of the biggest challenges that we face in our culture, being present. But before we get there, let's just look at the science of Thanksgiving. And so uh, there was an article I read where the University of California and the University of uh, Miami, two of the professors... Uh, joined together and they did some um, secular research on gratitude and thanksgiving and they came up with some interesting conclusions. I mean, who would have thought that they would catch up with the scriptures, science? And so let me read a couple of excerpts from this, uh, this research. This was done in 2015, I think it was. So a psychologist from the University of California and the University of Miami did a study on the practice of gratitude. They found that people who practice gratitude are more optimistic more positive about their lives, more physically active, and generally healthier. Further to this, they found that feeling grateful can improve sleep quality, reduce feelings of anxiety and depression, resulting in better moods. Some husbands are nudging their wives, you need to be more grateful, you won't be so moody, and some wives are nudging their husbands and say, you need to be more grateful so you're not so moody. Less fatigue and inflammation, which reduces the risk of heart problems. Being thankful can reduce the risk of you having a heart attack. That is powerful. 
Gratitude causes the brain to release dopamine into the body. That's the pleasure, the feel-good hormone. Practicing gratitude promotes feelings of self-worth and compassion for others and has a positive impact on interpersonal relationships. Wow. That's what just, you know, psychologists in the universities in America are finding. I think that they're, they're catching up with the truth of Scripture. And I think that there, there's good reason why God instructs us to live a life of rejoicing and thanksgiving because it is good and healthy for us. Man, God is so worthy of continual thanksgiving and continual unending, unceasing prayer just to be with Him. He, I mean, He's, he's God but yet it's good for us as well. It's healthy for us. It helps us be in a better mood. It's good for your heart. It helps with your interpersonal relationships. I found that just strange. But a heart of thanksgiving will help you with your friendships. Bizarre. And so the science is proving the scriptures. <laughs> Let's have hearts that are postured to thanksgiving. Like I mentioned um, before, peace is not a circumstance, it's a state of being. Thanksgiving is not a circumstance, it's a posture. I'm going to choose to posture myself with a thankful heart that despite whatever circumstance I face, I'm going to be thankful in that circumstance. I'm going to find something to be thankful for and I'm going to posture my heart to be thankful. I'm going to find, just like Paul writes in Philippians 4, I'm going to find something that is excellent or praiseworthy and I'm going to fill my mind with those thoughts when the, the, the attack comes on your mind trying to cause you to worry or to stress or to, to be anxious. I'm going to eradicate those thoughts and fill my mind with good and positive thoughts, with thanksgiving, with praise. Amen? Amen? Come on, let's be thankful people. Let's be people that are content in every situation. That's such a challenge, isn't it? When your neighbor buys a new car, your friend buys a new car, you just think, man, I could do with a new car as well. Well, I could do with an upgrade on my house or this or that or... Man, God, help us to be content with what we have. There's nothing wrong with any of those things. Those are good things, wonderful things. But what's going on in your heart? Is there contentment in your heart? Or is there, is there jealousy, is there lust? If there's jealousy and lust, then we need to come back and find that place of peace, which thanksgiving is the route back to that contentment. All right, so that's what we need to focus on, thanksgiving, to remain centered and rooted in peace. But there's something that we need to avoid at all costs. And I think it's causing havoc in our society, and it's causing wreck and ruin, and probably none of us see it. So, let me quote a lady named Corrie Ten Boom. She once said that if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. You see, the, the, the root and the effect of sin and busyness is the same. It disconnects you from your relationship with Jesus. So if he can't make you sin, he's going to make you so busy that you've got no time in your schedule to be with Jesus. That is a scary quote and a scary thought in the rat race we call Joyberg. The gold rush, and we've never stopped rushing. 
It's true. I mean, it's, and, and we're proud of ourselves that we're such a busy, efficient, you know, busy place. Stuff happens in, in Joburg. I mean, oh, those Cape Tonians. Hey. <laughs> Nothing would happen if it wasn't for Joburg. I mean, if it was up to Cape Town, we'd all just be on holiday all the time, sleeping. I mean, have you guys been to Cape Town recently? The speed limit's 120, and they drive at about 65. Okay, slight exaggeration. <laughs> Joburg is 120, and we drive at 140, because <laughs> we're rushing around. See, the results of busyness and sin are the same. It disconnects us from Jesus. So if I had to ask us what's one of the biggest challenges in our spiritual life, probably not many of us would put a finger on, on, a, on a thing called hurry. But I want to suggest to us this morning that one of the biggest obstacles and challenges in our spiritual journey is a thing called hurry. Because we have no time in our schedule to be with Him. So let me read you a passage from the famous chapter on love, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1 to 8. It says, If I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own ways. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Now, I don't know how many of you guys have got a, a toddler in your household. I've got a toddler in my household. When I need to get somewhere on time, and I've got a toddler to dress or feed or clean teeth or put clothes on or choose the right dress for the morning, which is a challenge. <laughs> when you're getting dressed for the third or fourth time, Warren knows what I'm talking about. Come on, how many other parents have found it's difficult to be patient and kind when you're in a hurry? I mean, the way that you treat your, your child is probably not with, with you know, great amounts of love when you're in a hurry because you're like, come on, okay, put the, just, that dress is fine, it looks beautiful. Put it on, put it on, come, 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 we're going, come on, come on, we need to brush your teeth, come on, we need your hair. And we're running around and we probably, next thing we know, we snap at them because we're hurrying. And when you're hurrying, you can't be in a place of peace and of love. And so we start to act out in ways that are ungodly. I'm speaking to me. <laughs> you guys just happen to be hearing a sermon that Daryl's preaching to himself. I'm glad you're with me on this journey. Pray for me. But have you guys noticed how children just don't seem to have any concern to hurry? It's just, it doesn't bother them at all. It's like it's not in their nature. Yet somehow along our, our journey in life, we've, we've got into this state of hurry. Hurry, 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 hurry. 
And our hurriness is robbing us from our relationship with Jesus. So if I had to ask you, what's one of the biggest obstacles in your life, in your spiritual journey? I want you guys to be aware that that thing called hurry is probably one of the biggest obstacles in our Western culture, especially here in Joyberg. So how do we stop hurry? How do we overcome this monster that's, that, that just takes over our lives? And uh, I mean, just think about it. How many times have you seen a situation where you're driving on the roads or you at the shops and you see someone in need, you see something where maybe, maybe they need prayer, maybe they need encouragement, and you just think, man, if, if I had time, but I've got a schedule, I've got to be there, and it's a good godly meeting I'm getting to because I'm getting to church or I'm getting to accounting thing or I'm going on an outreach. I mean, whatever it is, and, and you hurry past that thing where God actually wants you to stop. I'm talking to myself. He wants you to stop hurrying and go and be the light on the destination or on, on route to the destination where you're going. I mean, you, when you read the Gospels, this is the life of Jesus. He's on his way somewhere and he gets interrupted by something, praise and revival breaks out and then he goes off and carries on. He just doesn't live a life of hurry whatsoever. God, help us to stop worrying. Help us to stop hurrying. So how do we stop hurry? We're going to do this in a hurry, people. (laughs) So Sabbath. God created the Sabbath for us to rest. Genesis 2 verse 3, So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Now, what it's saying is not saying that he rested from being tired. It's saying that he stopped working. So that's, that's, a, that's an important thing. He, he stopped working on the seventh day. Because God did all creation from a place of rest, did all the work, and then stopped. And so... The rest here is not that he was tired from the work. It's just saying that he stopped the work of creation. In Hebrews chapter 4, and from verse 9 to 11, it says, So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. See, it's a, it's a command almost, the Sabbath. And we're in the New Covenant, so we don't have to keep it exactly. And there's freedom uh, for us to, to find the Sabbath that works best for you. But the key is find that Sabbath. Find that place to rest. And so what does a Sabbath look like? It looks like stopping. Stop working. It looks like resting. It looks like just delighting in Him. It looks like worship. Looks like maybe reading a, a good Christian book, just being with him, stopping all the distractions of life, just to be with him, just to quieten the busyness and the hurry of life. What does it not look like? Well, it doesn't look like work, <laughs> in case you didn't get that. It doesn't look like endless TV. It doesn't look like endless games on your PlayStation or on, on your computer doesn't look like endless time on social media. In fact, the best way I think to do Sabbath is to have a, a, a digital detox. Turn these things off. You, you guys won't believe what this thing can do. I discovered this just the other day. No one tells you about this. 
I just need to try and remember how, how to do it. It's a bit complex. But I think if you hold the button on the side for a while, then another screen comes up and you slide that button across and it's, it stops talking to you. It's profound. Why don't they tell us about this? I mean, figure out if you haven't got an iPhone how's, how yours works. But you hold the button on the side for a couple seconds, another screen comes up, and you just slide that little thing across, and then it, shh, peace and quiet, instantaneously. Turn off your phones, people. We're addicted. Really, you're addicted. See how you can do a couple years without your phone. Not a couple years, a couple hours, sorry. If you can do years, you're amazing. Just go a couple hours without checking. Have I got a notification? Has someone sent me a message? What's happening on social media? Turn it off. Turn it off. When you're having a Sabbath, turn it off. If you have to because of work, have certain times in the day, maybe set three times where, okay, I'm going to turn it on and check it for a 15-minute period, and I'm going to turn it back off. I'm just turning it on to do the absolute essentials, and I'm going to leave it off. Otherwise, you're always going to be hurrying in your mind. Just to quickly touch on that, that word in, in Hebrews, it says, let us therefore strive to enter that rest. That word there is talking about like being intentional, pursuing, working. You know what it actually means? It's saying hurry to rest. When you get into the Greek, that's what it's saying. It's saying hurry to rest. Be intentional, labor, work for it. Too often we just let our Sabbath get stolen. There it's gone. Another week come and gone, and I didn't have a Sabbath because I let all the other things in life come in and steal my rest. So it's saying labor, work, strive, protect that, that Sabbath rest that you can have. So I encourage you guys, find a routine. Do the same thing every week as you start and as you end the Sabbath. As you, you know, some of you might need to have, you have to do some work sometimes. Try limit it. If you have to, then get it done quickly in the morning and then say, okay, now I'm starting my Sabbath. And get a routine where you do the same thing every day and you just, every Sabbath day. Don't live in Sabbath, please. If you're living in Sabbath, then there's something wrong with you. You need, to, you need to hurry up a little bit and get something done. Silence and solitude. When last did you sit still without music on, without a conversation, just sitting with the Lord? Try to do it. I encourage you today. Go home and just try to spend 10 minutes sitting in silence and solitude without your brain focusing on, I need to do that, and then I need to do this. It's not a time to do a to-do list. If you, if you have a to-do list, then quickly get a piece of pen, and, or get a piece of paper and a pen, and write down the to-do list so that your brain can then switch off. But just take just 10 minutes, silence and solitude, and do that daily. It'll help you be rooted in a place of peace. Slow down. Don't overcommit. Realize what your limitations are. Realize how much you can get done in a day or in a week. And don't overbook your schedule or your calendar. When your calendar's overbooked, well, then you're not going to have time for the Lord. And so be intentional about putting time for the Lord first and then for the rest of your calendar. But don't let your calendar get so full that you then realize, man, I'm just so busy, I haven't got time, and so I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm talking to myself here, people. <laughs> I haven't got time, so I'm going to, on the way to work, you know, I'll have a quiet time. Or, or during my coffee break, I'll just connect with the Lord or... Be intentional about, in your calendar, creating margin in life so that you can be with Jesus. Otherwise, you're going to lose your peace. 
and the storm called worry is going to come visit you and the soldier's not going to be there and you're going to let him start to cause havoc in your life because the umpire's not there to help you make good and godly decisions. Being slow is sometimes a good thing. Our world of fast food and fast this, fast everything. I mean, even just, just think of what the internet speed was just about three or four years ago compared to what it is now. I mean, I think just in our office here, even just two years ago, we had like an eight megabyte per second download speed line, and that was um, an ADSL line. So you actually only got like three or four. Now we've got 200 up and down, and we're considering going to 1,000. There's like just the, the increase in speed and everything in society is just astronomical. Slow down. Slow can be good. Slow can be good. Don't, don't let slow become an enemy. Let it be your friend. Last thing as we close. Be present. Man, I think we've lost the ability to be present in our society. I just, just look at a, a group of youth, our own youth probably, they're all sitting together around a table and they're all on their phones. Not one of them is present with the person that they're sitting with. And some of us older folk, we do the same thing. We've become addicted to our phones as well. Let's learn to be present with the people we're with, to be present with the Lord. I think one of the biggest obstacles to worship is the inability to be present. We're standing here in the building, but where is your head? Is your head thinking about the to-do list you need to do? Is it thinking about what happened in the past? Come on, let's be honest now. Is your head thinking about lunch? <laughs> We're all there. Come on. Train your brain to be present in that moment of worship. It's okay if we take an hour to worship. Worship's not a hurry. And that's why we often let it go on longer, just so that we can be present with Him. Learn and train yourself to be present in the moments of the day that you're not always hurrying from one thing to the next thing and you're missing being with him. Matthew 11, verse 28, as I close. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy, sorry, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Jesus is saying, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Maintaining peace when you have no margins in life is challenging. When you're hurrying from one thing to the next, it's really challenging to be rooted and remain in a place of peace. So I want to encourage us. This is the best time of the year for us to exercise that posture of thanksgiving to exercise rest Sabbath and no longer hurrying let's do that over the next coming weeks so that as we start 2020 we can start from a place of peace and go through the whole year rooted in peace in his peace let's stand
Lord, we thank you for your peace. Jesus, thank you that you give us peace. Holy Spirit, will you help us to posture our hearts, to be postured permanently with thanksgiving, that we'll be content in any and every situation, and that as we live a life of thanksgiving, that peace will be our portion. May we be so rooted in your peace. Lord, we ask that you'll forgive us for fulfilling our schedules and living a life of hurry. Help us to create margin. Help us to, to stop hurrying and running from one thing to the next. Help us to be present with our families, with our children, with our friends. And most of all, Lord, help us to be present with you in worship, in reading the scriptures, in prayer, that we won't be distracted thinking about all the other stuff we need to do, but that we will be present with you. Lord, help us to eradicate hurry, and let's do it in a hurry. Lord, I pray that grace and peace will be multiplied to each one of us. Amen.